On this episode of Blue 58, the Combine is underway in Indianapolis, which means the offseason is about to get really silly. Let's sort through some of that silliness and talk about the secret storyline of Combine Weekend, how it affects free agency. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, coming to you on the weekend that is going to shake up the next month of the offseason. I'm talking, of course, since you heard the intro about the NFL Combine weekend happening happening in Indianapolis. Lots of stuff to dissect about the Combine, and we're going to take parts of the next two episodes, this one and the one that comes out on Friday, to talk about that, because it does affect a lot of what goes on in free agency and in the draft, of course, and the subsequent moves that happen between both of them. But before we do that, I want to talk about something that I think is an object lesson for the offseason. You've got to follow stories back to their source. And I don't want to seem like I'm picking on Cheesehead TV here. There's just a really good example of following stories back to where they came from to figure out if they have any merit or not. The headline on Cheesehead TV that just came across my feed before I started recording, and I wanted to talk about this for a second because I've been watching this play out for a couple days here, is this. Reports, Packers expected to part ways with Randall Cobb. And this piece, finally written, uh, goes on to explore the, the ins and outs of reports, one in particular detailing the Packers' apparent intention to move on from Randall Cobb. And it may be true that the Packers are going to do that, but none of the reports actually cited actually say that. The main one this Cheesehead TV report, quote-unquote report, cites is from Pro Football Talk. The Pro Football Talk source in question is a video in which reporter, editorialist, analyst, whatever, Mike Florio talks into the camera about reports that he cites that say that Randall Cobb isn't going to be coming back to Green Bay. The Packers, quote, reportedly aren't expected to bring Rand- bring Cobb back, says Florio in this video. He also takes a shot at Aaron Rodgers for no reason because Mike Florio is the kind of person that he is. But again, there's no actual report that says in this report, that Randall Cobb isn't coming back. So what reports is everybody working off of here? What, where are people getting this information? Well, the Rosetta Stone report in this situation appears to be from Mike Silver talking on an NFL Network show about the Packers offseason. And he's talking about how the Packers plan to approach a couple things in the offseason. They may look to be a little bit more aggressive. It's all speculation, all stuff given in his opinion. And then he gets to the money bite about two Packers impending free agents, Randall Cobb and uh, Clay Matthews. Here's the actual quote, the actual words that came out of Mike Silver's mouth. Quote, they've got Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews. We'll see what the market bears on Clay Matthews. They would like to have him back. It's going to depend on who comes after him and how hard. Whereas Randall Cobb, in my opinion, it is more likely than not he will be gone and they will try to upgrade at the slot receiver position just feeling that his better days are behind him, end quote. At no point in that story, in that report, report, we have to use it generously there, in no point there does he actually cite information say my sources with the Packers say they're going to move on I've talked to Randall Cobb's agent they're going to move on they feel like they're going to move on Randall Cobb 
doesn't think he's going to be back in Green Bay, whatever. He doesn't say anything like that. It's purely his opinion, which is fine, but it goes down the food chain to Pro Football Talk, to Cheesehead TV, to whatever blog. And suddenly you've got this stuff going around the internet. The Packers aren't going to bring Randall Cobb back. It is probably true that the Packers aren't going to bring Randall Cobb back, but, but, we've got to be careful where we're getting that information from. We can't just say there are reports that are the Packers aren't going to bring Randall Cobb back because there really haven't been. We haven't heard a reporter go on record and say, we don't think the Packers are going to bring him back because I've got sourced reporting on this that says they want to move on. We've got people giving their opinion. And opinions are fine, but we've all got opinions. And we can all just say on our own, yeah, the Packers probably aren't going to bring Randall Cobb back. Maybe they probably shouldn't bring him back. I don't know. Whatever way you want to go with it, it's fine. But just be careful about where we're using the word report or talking about authoritative conversations on the subject because things may not necessarily be always accurate. Another good example is this whole story going on in uh, Jupiter, Florida, involving Robert Kraft. You probably have heard about this one. The details there are not really worth going into on this podcast. But Adam Schefter said the day of the bust, the day that Robert Kraft's name came out, that there were probably, it seemed like, going to be bigger names coming out in this situation. Well, now law enforcement have actually had to respond to Adam Schefter of ESPN, a sports reporter, about this story. And they've said, "Mm, we don't know of any bigger names than Robert Kraft. This is pretty much all the names we have for right now. So unless you know something we don't, like there aren't any bigger names. But it was just a throwaway line that he used in a stand-up report where he's talking into a camera. And it got taken as gospel. Turns out it wasn't. Just got to be careful about how we take things that get said on air. I think if you're looking at sources, look at uh, print and actual writing uh, as your primary source. I don't mean like print, like physical print, because very few people read things like that anymore, like stuff that's written down on a blog post or an article or something like that. And then give a little credence to podcasts or, you know, stand-up interviews or, or whatever talk show type content, because there's just a little bit less of a standard in terms of how people say things and how they try to get across what they mean in those non-written media as opposed to the written word. You don't have multiple chances to get things right. You can't go back and edit when you're doing stuff on the air. Unless you're doing a podcast and you can just stop, rephrase things, come back, do it again, and edit. You know what I mean. So just be careful out there. And we'll try to get get through all of this together. And uh, I'll try to call out good sources when I see it and less good ones when we don't. Probably not super responsible by Mike Silver to report it in that way either. But anyway, that is beside the point. Let's talk about the Combine. First and foremost, if you've got a chance to go to this Combine experience, the fan stuff in Indianapolis, I think you should. Indianapolis has a nice downtown. If the weather's good, there's lots of places to walk around. Uh, There's some pretty good food down there. The circle is cool. Um, Yeah, go do it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I went a couple years ago. It was worth doing. And uh, if you get a chance, do it again. Um, Oddly enough, I'm going to be in in Indiana this weekend for unrelated reasons. But uh, So we will not be stopping by the Combine. But if we had the time, we probably would. The Combine is fun. There's lots of good stuff to see. Uh, It's fun to speculate. But... 
it does muddy the water a little bit too. It's really a mixed bag, this combine. For NFL teams too. I think it is good. It is probably a net positive for a couple reasons. First, it's important for these guys to demonstrate that they can show up in a big moment. I don't like the job interview metaphor because it's not a job interview, but it's also not not a job interview. You've got this day that you know is coming that you can prepare for and just perform your best at in a very specific sort of way. You know what's coming. You're going to have medical tests. You're going to have interviews with teams. You're going to have a drug test. You're going to do physical stuff, position testing, whatever. All the drills. You know what I mean. These are pretty straightforward things that you can prepare for. And showing what you can do when you've had an opportunity to prepare means something, I think. Just because you don't shouldn't disqualify you from getting drafted or necessarily send you tumbling down draft boards. Neither should a great performance send you rocketing up draft boards. But if you go there and perform like you should, I think that's a good sign. You also get these baselines for everybody. And all these drills, yeah, sure, they're not necessarily the most useful things in the world. Nobody runs 40 yards in a straight line almost ever. But at the same time, everybody's doing it. And at least you get some baseline measurements for where you fit in with other guys. They may be of dubious value, but at least everybody's doing the same thing and you can get some sort of standardized look at these things. Now, on the other hand, like I said, these baselines may not mean anything. Some of this information is not super great. And just because a guy can bench press 225 pounds 40 times, I mean, who cares? That's pretty strong, but you probably would have known that anyway from seeing the guy play and that 40 rep bench set probably just confirms that it's also not great that people are going to get drafted off those baselines when those baselines kind of crowd out other information the combine has some good information but it's not the be-all and end-all so what should we think about the combine well i think we need to recognize a few things two things in particular first recognize that this information is at best questionably useful and at worst extremely misleading the 40 yard dash the bench press who knows if those really correlate to high level nfl performance got a lot of fairly reliable evidence that says maybe they don't and even if they do sometimes a guy just isn't good at the bench press sometimes a guy isn't good at running 40 yards in a straight line i don't think jerry rice had a particularly good 40 yard dash time and there's a lot of great receivers and Running backs even, who don't blow anybody away with their times either. But if a guy can play, he can play. And I think it was Emmett Smith that uh, a talent evaluator said that he might not be able to go 80 yards once, given his lack of top-end speed, but he can for sure go 40 yards twice. And if you're getting the yards, it really doesn't matter if they're coming in 80-yard chunks or 40-yard chunks. And it turned out that Emmett Smith was pretty okay. Second, we should recognize that most people, if not almost all people, are not really quite sure what to do with this information. Just look at a few different perspectives on how people handle the stuff coming out of the dra- or out of the combine. Al Davis, 
the former Raiders executive, sees a guy run a great 40-yard dash time, sign me up. Give me the speed. I'll take all of it. You've got Ted Thompson, the former Packers general manager, even Brian Gutekunst to a certain extent. We want the guys that are going to meet these thresholds, these physical parameters, and we're not going to deviate from those too much. These thresholds have given us a lot of good players, but they've also caused us to miss out on a couple of good players too. Then you've got the the random, you know, tough guy general manager. Like, we don't want any of these numbers guys. Just give me the football players, whatever that actually means. I want the football players. That's the sort of thing you hear about this time of year. The football players. Give me the football players. Despite all the information that they have, they're just going to go with the guys that remind them of football players, whatever that actually means. And finally, recognize that this entire charade has a lot more holes than you might want to admit. And by you, I mean people running it, NFL people. Think back to a story we did a couple years ago about Aaron Rodgers and his 40-yard dash time. Now, he asserts that he ran a faster time than his official time. The official time is a couple tenths, uh, well, actually, just a few hundredths of a second slower. Why might that be? Well, for a long time, the official 40-yard dash times at the NFL Combine were a hand-timed reading from the stopwatch of one Charlie Casserly, the now former general manager of the New York Jets and other teams. That was it. That was all they had for an official time. No fancy electronic timing, nothing like that, just a hand-timed stopwatch for good old Charlie Casserly. Now, we all pretend, and I I say we meaning like anybody remotely connected to to NFL media. And I'm, you know, very generously looping myself in there. I say we, (laughs) we, we tend to take this pretty seriously. Maybe we shouldn't, is what I'm saying. And we need to recognize that there's some significantly good reasons to not take it super seriously. So maybe just take that all with a grain of salt this week. Don't get too high or too low on a guy just because he does some pretty cool things. And you know, all that having been said, it still is pretty cool to watch a guy run a 4-3-40 or rep out 35-40 reps on the bench press. That's still pretty cool, and that's kind of fun. Another aspect we have to talk about with this combine, with the combine in general, is signing free agents. Because the combine is when a lot of free agent deals are going to get hammered out. You should check out Michael Cohen of the Athletics Podcast with Andrew Brandt, the former Packers president who worked on a lot of free agent deals for the team as both an executive and an agent, it should be noted. He talked fairly lengthy, at a fair bit of length, I should say, about how the the combine affects these free agent deals. A lot of the stuff that needs to get done to come to free agent agreements, both between teams and their own players and teams and other teams' players, happens at the Combine. There will be a lot of movement between now and the actual start of free agency. You've got the day free agency starts. You've got the legal tampering period before that. This essentially is the semi-legal tampering period, or maybe the entirely illegal tampering period. Everybody knows it's going to happen, and almost nobody cares. And you have to be super blatant to really get caught. So knowing that some free agency stuff is going to be happening at the Combine this week, 
let's talk about the best way to sign a free agent. I think there's a four-step process here. First and foremost starts with acceptance. You need to accept that you're going to overpay in free agency to a certain degree. There is going to be inevitable overpayment in the free agent market. And that's a win for players, obviously. I don't begrudge them getting their money. They should, if you can. Everybody should take the opportunity to get overpaid if they can. But to cite Andrew Brandt, in free agency, you're, play, you're paying A-plus money to get B-plus players. Because more often than not, there's a reason these guys are making it to free agency. Either they're a little bit old, or they're a little bit injured, or they just didn't play quite as good as they could with their last team. So accepting that you're going to be overpaying, the next step is to identify the best place to overpay. Because not all positions are created equal. Some some positions reward spending, others punish it. Sometimes you have a group of players at a particular position who all enter free agency at the same time, meaning that teams get the opportunity to pick and choose a little bit. Maybe you don't get the number one guy in that position group cohort, but you get number three or number four. He's almost as good, a lot less expensive. There's also positions that just have a lot better return on investment than others. And have put together a little thing that might help us to determine that a little bit. I've looked at running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and the offensive line. Um, Trying to rank them by who performs well and where they rank among the top earners at their position. Among the top 10 running backs in terms of yards from scrimmage, I'm not even going to use names here, but you've got the 7th highest paid player, the 4th, the 13th, the 2nd, three guys in the 30, the 1st, the 10th, and the 64th. Quite a wide range there. On average, the top 10 performers among running backs in terms of yards from scrimmage Average the about the 20th highest paid player at their position. That's how it works out. And if you're looking at the averages here, among the position groups that I've looked at, the lower the number is, the more justifiable it is, I think, to spend a little bit. Because that means to get a good performer, you have to spend a little bit more. If you want a guy who's at the highest end, this is what you have to spend. About the 20th highest paid player. Maybe that's not super high, but it is significantly higher than some other positions. Take example, offensive linemen. For offensive linemen, I looked at approximate value. Pro football references, semi-objective measure of a player's performance within a position group like the offensive line. Their top 11 players each had an approximate value of 12 or above. Three of them were at 15 or above. One of those players is David Bakhtiari. So these are the best of the best offensive linemen. But the best of the best offensive linemen average out to a salary of 41st highest paid in the league among all offensive linemen. 
Among these top 10 players, top 11 for pro football reference, only two are in the top 10. One of them is David Bakhtiari. The other is Andrew Whitworth of the Los Angeles Rams. He is the third highest paid offensive lineman in football. Others, though, rank like 50th, 107th, 77th, 69th. This tells me that offensive linemen or offensive line is not a good area to spend in free agency. You're not going to want to spend towards the top end of the market because chances are you're getting a guy who isn't going to be among the highest of the high performers in his position group. Tight end, though, is an interesting case. Because if you look at the top performers at tight end, a lot of them are at the high end of the salary scale. And this is, I think, why the Packers have dived into free agency as regularly as they have in hopes of getting someone who can perform at a high level. Because if you're playing in free agency and you want a high-end tight end, you've got to pay absolutely premium money to get a player up there. It's just a fact. That's not to say there aren't players that can perform just as well for less, and you shouldn't try to find those. You shouldn't, or you should, but you shouldn't expect that you can just pluck a random guy off the street and get a high-end performer if you're not going to pay a lot of money. So once you've determined what positions have a solid return on investment and accepted that you're going to overpay, you have to ask yourself a couple questions. First, what are we getting? And second, what is it going to cost? We've talked about this in regard to Antonio Bryant and Clay Matthews in the past. But those are two questions that should help you really decide whether a guy is worth pursuing at all. Because once you've decided that, yes, we're going to overpay, you got to decide how much you're willing to overpay, the actual number that you have to give them, and what you're actually getting for that money. And when you're putting down that contract in front of that player, you have to recognize that you're not paying for the past, you're paying for the future. Contracts are not given out for past performance. This isn't Major League Baseball, and even Major League Baseball seems to be going away from that. There's no lifetime achievement contracts in the NFL. You've got to spend based on what you think a guy can be in the future. Which is why I think Antonio Bryant and the Steelers, by extension, might have a little bit of a softer market than perhaps they thought. I think the Steelers were pretty pretty understanding in what they, they could reasonably get for Antonio Brown. But maybe Brown wasn't. Because I think a lot of people see that he's going to be 31, or is 31 already, in his 30s, entering his low 30s, and they're thinking, well, maybe I don't want to pay for the early 30s years of this receiver if I don't have to. Especially given how many good young receivers are out there as well. If you're comfortable with the player that you think a guy is going to be, you have to determine how much you're going to pay. And that's the real tough question. Because if you look at a situation like what the Packers were in with Nick Perry a couple of years ago, it's hard to justify letting your high-end pass rushers get to free agency. And you like to keep a guy who could be you know, even in the top half of pass rushers in the league. Top 20, top 30 pass rushers in the league. 
You got to have those guys around. So you get in a little bit of a bind accepting how much it's going to cost. And maybe you get a little bit more comfortable with the cost than you probably should. So having asked all those questions, having accepted those things, having identified the right places where you can overpay and the right places where you can't, comes down to who the Packers should sign. And I'm not going to sit here and throw out a bunch of names, but I think based on what we've looked at, there are a couple positions where it might make sense to throw a little bit of money out there. The first one is tight end. It might be hard to justify going back to the well again here, but I think there's a situation where you could kind of skirt the high end of the market and still get a guy who performs like he's in the high end of the market there with Jared Cook. I've seen a few people make this case, and I think it's one worth exploring. He was one of the higher paid tight ends in the league last year. His 2018 cap figure was the 14th highest in all of the NFL at the position. But he was fifth among tight ends in receptions in 2018. He had 68 catches. Not, you know, like world-breaking numbers, but there aren't a lot of big-time tight ends out there. There's just not a lot of even, you know, the 2018 version of Rob Gronkowski. There's not a lot of players that are that good out there. So maybe you take advantage of a little bit of a, a soft market, maybe for a guy like Jared Cook, and roll the dice a little bit, accepting that he's not going to be maybe even as good as the last time he was in Green Bay. On the offensive line, it may not be a great place to invest, but if you can find a guy, and this is the first time I've said his name out loud, but Kalechi Osemele of Oakland, who could be a potential cap casualty here, maybe you can get a little bit more bang for your buck. It's a guy who wouldn't have otherwise been available, a guy who is not ending up on the market because he necessarily can't play anymore. He just doesn't perhaps fit in with what Oakland intends to do long-term. Maybe that's a situation where you can find a little bit of extra value. Something to think about. But really, I think where the Packers can make hay is by finding a place where the market is flush with players at a particular position. And I think for the Packers, there is a good situation out there this year. At safety, there are a lot of good players entering the market. Of SBNation.com's top 104, I don't know why they picked that number, but they did, the top 104 NFL free agents of 2019, 10 are safeties. And if you watched the Packers last year, boy, did they need some help at safety. They could use a lot of help on the back end of the defense. Even at corner, they could use some help. So you see names like Landon Collins, Earl Thomas, LaMarcus Joyner, Adrian Amos out there. There may be an opportunity for the Packers to take advantage of there just being a lot of available players and pick a guy who maybe gets overlooked. Maybe the first wave of free agency passes and the Packers step in and get a little bit of value here. I think this works to the Packers' advantage here 
just because of the amount of players hitting the market at once. And if you can identify play uh, positions where there are a lot of potential targets out there, that can work to your advantage. And in the Packers situation, safety could be one of those. Keep all of that in mind as you watch the Combine play out this week. All of this is happening behind the scenes. Teams weighing free agency, making deals with their own guys. We're going to have a much better picture next week as to how this market is actually going to play out. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. You can find us, as you always do, at thepowersweep.com and on Facebook and on Twitter and via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We've gotten a lot of good emails lately. I haven't had a chance to respond to, to many of them, but I appreciate you reaching out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Thanks for dropping those into the inbox. That's always fun to see. You can support us as you always do by first and foremost leaving a review on iTunes. Help more people find the show. Uh, leave a rating as well. Uh, we really appreciate that. If you'd like to support us monetarily, and we appreciate that, patreon.com slash thepowersweep is the best way to do that. One dollar per month helps us keep the lights on here. But of course, there's always the opportunity to leave or to wear your support on your sleeve. That's where I was getting the leave from. Wear your support on your sleeve by picking up one of the fine t-shirts or sweatshirts we offer in our store at uh, teespring.com. Click the store link, shop link, at thepowersweep.com to find your way there. As always, we do love to hear from you, whichever medium you choose. Any feedback or thoughts or questions you give us help us make this entire operation better and helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58. Yeah.